welcome to season 11 of Focus on Women. We're here to elevate and empower female identifying creatives in the commercial photography industry. Come along for the journeys, stay for the stories, and then share your story with us. Head to focusonwomen.org to submit your application today. Super excited to have everyone here today. I'm here with Wendy Way, calling all the way in from Toronto. Uh, Wendy, welcome. Thank you. It's really great to chat with you again, Shelley. This is our second podcast together. <laughs> so I'm really excited to kind of turn the tables on this one. I know this time you get to be in the hot seat and I get to be asking all the questions. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about uh, yourself and uh, where you're from? And then we'll, we'll dive into, you know, where did all of this start? Sounds good. Uh, thanks for the intro, Shelley. Uh, my name is Wendy, and I am based in Toronto, Ontario in Canada. Um, I've more or less lived here my whole life, grew up, I guess, like an hour-ish away, but would always be coming to the city when I was younger. Moved here six years ago for school and have been here ever since. Um, I'm a photographer. I do freelance and I, I kind of started really loving music photography, which is how I got into everything. And I'm sure we'll kind of dive into the details as we uh, chat on this podcast. But yeah, I started in music photography when I was in university um, and kind of always been balancing that creative side of myself, um, but also I always feel like I also have this knack for like business and marketing and really enjoy solving problems and still um, my full time job is working within the realm of photography, but in social media and content management at Pexels, which is a stock photography startup. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the gist of who I am in a nutshell, and I'm sure we'll kind of dive into the specifics as we go on. Fantastic. Let's get into like the nitty gritty. When you were, I'm going to take you back to little windy times, you know, when you were a little kid, were you someone who was like always into the arts? Were you dreaming of being a photographer? Yeah. Um, like I said before, I feel like my whole life I was always balancing that creative side of me, who I, which I feel like has always been there, but also managing that with the expectations from um, like family members and uh, my peers around me. I grew up in um, a pretty rigorous academic environment. Um, my parents, I was, I was born in China, but my parents immigrated here with me when I was like one years old. So I feel like my whole life I was kind of balancing being like a first generation, like the oldest child in a first generation immigrant family and balancing the expectations of how my parents grew up, but also being in um, a whole different geographical area. So yeah, I really love the education system in Canada where we are allowed to kind of explore different avenues. Um, we have art class, we have gym, we have all these different things. And even though they did have that in China when my parents grew up, a lot of the emphasis was on, okay, like, what do you want to do? Like, you have to find a steady career path that will lead to a good job and that equals success. But yeah, I remember when I was in, even I was like really young, like looking through family photo, like photo albums and stuff. Um, I always had a camera, uh, whether that be like, uh, we grew up in um, a pretty like low income neighborhood just because my parents like immigrated here with nothing and even going to like thrift stores and um, getting a film camera. I forget if it even worked or not. I feel like I just liked 
holding it, um, which later on led to like my first point and shoot. And in middle school, uh, my really good friend and I, we really got into video editing. And uh, I don't know if you remember like in the early 2000s when YouTube first started, everyone was kind of tinkering around making their own home videos. I'm pretty sure I had some uh, really cringeworthy like music videos in there somewhere and just thinking it was like the coolest thing ever at the time. And yeah, we ended up taking on like this like extracurricular video group thing and then uh, which later led to winning like this provincial video competition. Um, so I was like, this is really cool. I really love this and I really enjoy doing it. And we ended up, we had a really great teacher. Um, his name was Mr. P and yeah, he was always super artsy. He had like a video camera that he allowed uh, my friend and I to use. And he was always making like the videos for like the school assemblies. And later on when uh, my friend and I started picking this up, he's like, why don't you guys just do it? So we kind of felt like his little like apprentices <laughs> in a way. And we thought this was the coolest thing ever, but yeah, after middle school, going into high school, that's when kind of the pressure started uh, coming on where it's like, okay, you really need these four years are really important. You really need to decide what you want to do. No more like making videos for fun because to my parents, my peers, that's not a viable career option. So then I went and thought I really loved that's the marketing. That was the closest thing where you can kind of now more so than a few years ago, add that aspect of content creation, which is so important. And yeah, at that time, I thought it'd be cool to kind of do something creative, but also be going into this career path of business. And again, I feel like I, in the four years in high school, I ended up excelling at it. I ended up winning some business competitions um, internationally and traveled to China on a trade mission in high school. And I thought, this is it. This is what I wanted to do and applied to U of T for the business program. In the back of my head, I always thought, this is like the closest thing I can get, but I should just be happy with this. Like not everybody loves what they're doing. Like a job is a job and you just kind of have to do it. So I had that mentality going in and it was pretty short lived after my first year of university. I was like, I really don't like this. I wasn't doing well, first of all, plus I wasn't enjoying it. So I was like, what's the point? And that's when I started picking up music photography and at the time it wasn't out of a place of like oh I, wa I want to kind of pursue this it was I was going to a lot of concerts <laughs> uh, being in the big city uh, moving from the suburbs and yeah those things add up when you're in first year and I thought um, how can I do this for free but obviously like legally and not just sneaking in and I remember this one concert I went to by myself and I saw these people walking in the front and I was like who are those people they have cameras and they kind of just come in and do their thing and go and I was like I would feel like I would want to do that but I had no idea how to start and I had a camera but I had no idea how to use it outside of auto mode so I started kind of trying to build up a portfolio by going to these like live karaoke nights at the bars around my school uh, on my free time and just asking people like, hey, like I'm a photographer, can I take your photo? And if so, I'm happy to send those to you for free if I can use them to like build up my portfolio. And that's how I uh, kind of started. And I would remember cold emailing everybody that came into the city, like every band, no matter how big or small, and just uh, giving this portfolio and saying, oh, like I photograph local artists and but in reality they were just random people doing karaoke <laughs> um yeah that led to being accepted to a few small shows where they would just 
let me have a media pass, did it completely for free. And I just fell in love with that thrill of like going into a venue, not knowing what to expect. And the most exhilarating part for me was after and going home and being like, wow, like I had no idea uh, what I was doing, but somehow we kind of made it work. And I really loved the editing process and um, really learned how to edit in low light and how to photograph artists in like the most flattering way or the most like exciting way because it's different than just taking a camera and doing like street photography or other sorts of photography and um, yeah it's kind of led me to where I am today I work a lot with artists and record labels and yeah I, I do social media and content at Pexels which I feel like is the best of both worlds I get to work with photographers but also have that like analytical side of like problem solving and how can I um, make this experience really cool for photographers who I resonate with and I feel the pain points through and everything. I mean, I think it's really cool to hear kind of that you've always kind of been curious about photography, that it is a thread that's run very long in your life, but really like kind of those last formative years in, in college where you had this like light bulb moment, right? Like I could figure out how to get to the shows without paying for a ticket, but also just taking the initiative to market back to those people. And so I, I want to talk, I want to touch a little bit more on like you growing that the photography muscles, right? You were saying like you were shooting in auto mode and you were you, I'm guessing you were shooting a lot, but what made you actually learn like more about your camera, more about like the craft, if you will, mm -hmm. through, through doing this experience? Yeah, when I first started, like, I had no idea what, like, ISO was, what aperture is. Yeah, I really didn't have much photography knowledge. I remember taking one elective at U of T, which is, I had friends who were in, like, photography in college, which is a lot more hands-on, and they really got to have those, like, hands-on experiences, and I um, loved hearing about them. I thought it was going to be the same at the University of Toronto, but being a very academic university, it was, I realized it was mostly on like art history and uh, kind of the foundations of photography. We didn't really get much like hands-on work during class. It was more like, hey, like this is what we learned about, go home and take it. And then that's your assignment, like we'll present it. So we didn't really get to, like the instructor didn't say like, this is what ISO is, this is what aperture is and kind of hold your hand through it. And first it was really overwhelming, but to me, I think that worked really well. I don't wanna say there's like a right or wrong of like, oh, you should go to school for photography or you should learn it on your own. It really depends on the type of person you are. And for me, I think, it was very liberating to be able to figure it out on my own and having that internal motivation um, rather than, oh, here are the steps of how to take a good photo. Because, um, yeah, even now, like I tend not to do too much studio work um, because that's very technical. Like my partner went to school uh, for photography and he's amazing at like studio and lighting where for me that like completely overwhelms me. I love just taking my camera and just going for it and seeing what happens. It was definitely that motivation of like, oh, this seems really cool. How do I figure it out? And with, you know, in photography, lighting is so important. And it's always funny <laughs> thinking about how I started because I started photographing when I started taking seriously in like dingy, um, like little bars where the local bands would play and where there's like most of the time absolutely no light whatsoever. Um, but yeah, that really forced me to kind of figure it out in the moment. I feel like it's in those moments that I really thrive where it's like, okay, I really need to figure this out. There's no one to kind of hold my hand through it. Um, so yeah, it really depends on, I think your learning style and some people really enjoy kind of having it broken down and that's how they retain and understand things. Whereas I feel like maybe I work a little bit better under pressure. 
you know, to your point of like shooting in really dark, small spaces, which is a very different way than, you know, like you said, your partner who can like craft light because they're Mm -hmm. in a studio and they can bring more light in. Mm -hmm. What did you, how did you find your, your style developed through shooting live music and stuff like that? I know that the editing process ends up becoming a really big part of that Mm -hmm. genre because you want to bring out certain things or highlight certain things or bring down the highlights, you know, if Mm -hmm. there's, if there's like stage lighting and things like that. So how did you find that the back end, the actual processing side changed for you? And what did you learn through that journey? Yeah, I think the biggest thing from kind of starting opposite of people um, in terms of like lighting and how they uh, started in photography is the ability to kind of make anything work. So I know like a lot of commercial photography, it requires a lot of planning and um, very meticulous in like the lighting and making sure everything is set up a certain way. Um, Whereas for me, um, I never really had that experience. It was mostly like I have my camera you get what you get. (laughs) Some shows have good lighting, some like artists um, who are maybe more established have more of like a stage presence, they have more equipment that they can bring in. And some people are just kind of have one spotlight and they go on stage and you get what you get. So I feel like the one thing that I developed really early on was yeah, being able to make it work. Now I do some more like studio stuff, working one on one with artists and I've definitely had to go back and relearn those things of like, okay, like, how can I prepare? How can I think about the type of lighting, depending on what the artist wants and um, going back and relearning those things. But in the very, very early on, it was just me and my camera. And I think the one thing that really drove me towards music photography was I kind of go in with no expectations. It's like, I have no idea what I'm going to get kind of like, film where you kind of shoot and then you can't really see things until after given that like with um this kind of stuff it's just a few hours rather than waiting like a week or something to have your to see your photos but yeah that's my favorite part of it is like kind of figuring it out as i go and then after even in the editing process seeing like how can i manipulate certain things what can i do to make this uh, even better and yeah music photography at a given like concert or show there's often like a few photographers it's rarely just me maybe like two or three in bigger shows like bigger festivals there could be upwards of like 20 photographers in the pit with you and that's the other thing I found really interesting is like all these people you have you're looking at the same thing but the end result is so different and having a lot of friends in music photography and doing shows together it's always cool to see like this their take on certain things given that we had the exact same thing in front of us do you have like certain things that you kind of always look for or that you're anticipating, I should say, mm-hmm. at a show? I think the foundation of um, how I started music photography relates back to uh, when I was younger, I did 10 years of classical piano and that involved a lot of like the theory part of it, which I really hated at the time. But um, looking back, it really helped me understand like on paper how music works, like even like the physics behind it, but also how songs are structured. Um, Given a lot of my training in the beginning was on like the Baroque and classical era, but it's really cool. Like my piano piano teacher, which I absolutely adored, she um, was really good at connecting it back to real life because as a nine, 10 year old learning about 
the Baroque era in music is not the most exciting thing, but she always related it back to like, hey, here's a pop song that you hear on the radio. You can see that some of these aspects of like classical music can still be um, seen in like um, normal music, like the harmonies and uh, the way that the songs are structured. So it really helped me um, on top of like doing performances myself, doing recitals and everything, anticipate when like the peak moments are when I can get a good shot when maybe the artist will jump up and when there will be um, sort of like a beat drop or something and when I should be ready and um, when they maybe will build up to something. That gave me a good foundation of that idea of like anticipation and trying to predict what the artist will do. Um, but at the same time, it can be very overwhelming taking your camera and going somewhere and having no idea what to expect. And in the beginning, yeah, I would kind of be like, what do I do? Like, I am so overwhelmed, like there's so much going on. And I would just follow everybody. If people are following the artist, I would kind of go to, with them and it ended up getting like the same shots as everyone else. And I was like, this is not very exciting. So I think like one or two years in, I'd really challenge myself to, okay, if everyone's going stage right where the good lighting is, yeah, that's going to be maybe objectively a good photo, but I'm going to challenge myself to go the other way. <laughs> so if people are rushing to one side, I'll go to the other side and just kind of figure it out. And yeah, that's kind of been something that I've been taking with me over the years is really trusting in myself and being like, I can kind of make this work and I don't have to just follow everybody else and do what they're doing and crowd in one corner of the stage because then we just kind of get the exact same shots. <laughs> do you find that your creative eye has grown or that your style has changed within, you know, the beginning to like now? Um, I'm also really curious about gear that you take to the shows. Mm -hmm. That's a good question. Like when I first started, it was a lot of like shooting from the pit and not having as many resources. Um, so yeah, I think limitations always make you more creative. And I think we've seen that um, in a lot of different scenarios. In COVID, for example, people like travel photographers didn't have the ability to kind of make their regular content. People didn't get access to studios. You kind of had to do with what you have, which um, yeah, was really disappointing. But at the same time, I think the silver lining was I saw so much creativity come out um, from photographers trying new things. I knew there was uh, one photographer I saw on TikTok who started, uh, she was a travel photographer. She obviously couldn't um, do her normal traveling, but she would use like these mi miniature like figurines and use like, um, I kid you not, like broccoli or something and make this set of like trees and have this like figurine. Um, and she would make these like beautiful photos in like um, her living room by making a set by herself. And um, I think a lot of people flourished in that kind of environment where they had limitations, so they had to go and make it work. Um, similar to like, I talked to a lot of friends who started in a traditional photography school. In first year, a lot of them were told to start with film, which is kind of like, oh, like I went, like a lot of people go with like, oh, I had this DSLR, why am I shooting with this old school film camera? But it's because they want to develop that eye and develop who you are as a photographer without limitations and without um, so many options because yeah like the paradox of choice when you have so much choice it can be overwhelming and um, hard to make decisions so when you can kind of figure it out with one or two things then options can only add to that rather than debilitate you how does that idea of whether it's limitation or choice play mm -hmm. into what you take to shows now 
a lot of it is I don't like to bring a lot of stuff depending on the type of show. I usually bring like a 24 to 70, which covers a lot of my basis. Or recently I've just been, I think the biggest difference is now I I got a 35 millimeter lens like uh, maybe two years ago. And honestly, that's been 75% of what's been on my camera. And I always joke because I would still bring like my bag full of gear uh, just to be prepared for anything, obviously. But I've been noticing recently at shows like I would mostly just use my 35 and it really allows me to get more um, like intimate shots because I have to move to the artist. I think a lot of music photography, like, yes, you can stand there with all of your lenses and you could just stay in one place and make it happen. But I think what really made a difference to me was when um, I didn't have to think about, oh, when should I switch my lens as much, but rather, okay, like they're going to, this artist is going to jump, I'm going to run and follow them. And I think now having been like a little bit more established, I've been lucky enough to have like stage access and being able to really work with the artist to figure out what they want and a lot more accessibility so then yeah like I, it gives me the opportunity to like go behind the drum stand and grab those intimate shots or run from like one side to the other to get like a different angle but I like in my photos to be what I see so um, literally one prime lens on my camera is kind of an extension of myself and it's if you look through the photos it's kind of like exactly what I see from start to finish. Well I love that you've kind of honed in like the style that you like to shoot I think it's really cool. You get stage access. I don't know anyone else over here, you know, probably super excited going, hmm, what would I shoot if I was on stage? That would be really cool. But let's shift gears a little bit, right? So you have been a musician, right? You were a cl classically trained pianist, and then you go into music photography and you go to university, but you're kind of like, okay, well, I ha you have this other dual side to you where you work at Pixels. So talk a little bit to us about how did that start what it, and what does that role kind of look like for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, like I've been through a lot of different roles and tried a lot of different things um, throughout my life. But I think the underlying kind of theme is that it always had something to do with creativity. Um, so, yeah, like when I started music photography, it was uh, mostly on my own, just kind of doing it as a hobby. And then later on getting picked up by a few publications, which ended up giving me a lot more access to bigger shows and bigger opportunities because they had more leverage than uh, just me cold emailing people. So, yeah, I guess even before Pexels, um, I started as a marketing intern for a record label in the Toronto area. And that really opened the doors of kind of how I was able to balance uh, my creativity. And while well, I guess having like a stable job or yeah, like being able to work in marketing, but also with that like creative side. So yeah, like at Coalition, which is a record label, I was able to, even though I wasn't doing photos for them at the time, part of my responsibility was taking in the photos from photographers who were assigned to shoot the shows from the artists and being able to like sort them and turn them into posters and everything. And that helped me tremendously seeing both sides of things, seeing like, okay, these how, are how the photos are being used by record label, which is the goal for a photographer. So that helped me translate to 
uh, what that looked like in my own work. So for example, um, if artists needed a tour poster, obviously I had to choose the photos that had more white space or more breathing room in the photos to add text and everything rather than like right up in an artist's face. So I take those into consideration in my own work later on. It's like, oh, if I want to sell my photos or really convince like a record label or an artist to hire me, I need to take into consideration what they really need and what the end result will be. Um, so yeah, I interned at that label for four months, which has been absolutely amazing. And I still work really closely with them um, based on the relationship I built during that time. Yeah, after that four months, I was like, okay, I got to look for something else. At the time, I was balancing school and freelancing, but I still wanted to have the opportunity to gain more experience. And um, part of the, I guess, the downside of switching from business school was I didn't get that co-op part of business, which is kind of like internships. So the school would kind of facilitate internships for you. But um, switching my degree into more of like a general arts degree, I had to look for opportunities myself. So I found Pexels looking for something that was remote and that had um, some sort of flexibility, which this was pre-COVID times that so remote work wasn't um, so cool. <laughs> um, everyone was like, oh, like what, like, is that really a real job? Like, can you really get paid? Like just sitting in your room and working on your computer. But yeah, I found Pexels. I was a ninth or 10th hire and um, it was the role of a community intern. So at that time, it was mostly engineers on the Pexels team, plus my manager at the time, who was the first uh, kind of non-engineering role, one of the first, and I would just be kind of helping her with whatever she needed. And um, I really, really loved it. It gave me a lot of freedom in the beginning to explore different things. Being a photographer myself, that helped me really like speak the language of what the company wanted, kind of having that uh, perspective on both sides. And I think that's a theme that um, is reoccurring in a lot of the opportunities I get is being able to see both sides. So being a photographer, but also having marketing experience. So I know how to communicate with photographers, what they need, what their pain points are, and how we can support them. So um, yeah, even though my title is like social and content manager, I also run the podcast, being able to talk to photographers one-on-one, -on -one, being part of like brainstorming for community events and product ideas. I just love doing everything on basically non-engineering side to help support photographers and really create a community at Pexels where photographers feel uh, supported, especially when they're first uh, starting out. Can you talk a little bit about what Pexels is like as the platform for those? Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I kind of uh, missed that part. But yeah, uh, Pexels is a uh, free stock photography site. And I know there sometimes are different connotations when it comes to stock photography. But I think our main mission is to, um, yeah, make imagery available for um, everyone, kind of like support creator supporting creators in a way. So um Myself as a photographer, maybe I go and take some street photos and I uploaded them on Pexels. And yeah, it could be whether you're taking them deliberately or even sometimes I have like, I don't know if you call it like B-roll, but just extra photos from um, certain things that I would just be sitting in my hard drive anyways. So for example, at shows, sometimes I get a, like a night shot with everyone with their phones up and I was like, oh, like the artist can't really use this, but if I just keep it on my hard drive, then kind of will never be seen again but i uploaded on pexels and then other people for example like small business owners who need that photo can then use it and 
um, yeah, it's a really great way for uh, photographers to gain more experience, build a portfolio, say that, hey, my photo was used on BuzzFeed, because we also have a lot of really big companies using Pexels as a platform, but also supporting um, maybe small business owners or um, those in like education who don't have like huge funds to go out and pay for a photo shoot. And can you talk about the relationship that Pexels has with Canva platform? Yeah, so that was the one of the most exciting things that um, happened. So when I first started at Pexels, my contract was technically four months and I was like, I'm just going to gain experience here and then move on. But near the end of my uh, contract, there was yeah, talk about Canva wanting to acquire us. And I've used Canva for years since I was like in grade seven. I remember I did this project and I just used Canva, which wasn't so popular at the time. And I remember my teacher was like, you should go into graphic design. And I was like, just didn't say that I used <laughs> templates from Canva. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was something that was really cool because a lot of people, when I say Pexels, they don't really know what it is. But then when we say, oh, um, it's part of Canva, they're like, oh, I don't know what Canva is. But um, yeah, that acquisition happened in 2018. And that was one of the main reasons why um, I kind of kept going. One, because I didn't think I would love uh, my experience at Pexels so much. Um, but also having the opportunity to really grow with the company and feel like, hey, I was like really a part of this and um, helping them grow into, yeah, something that like photographers really love and come to know now, aside from being at Canva. But yeah, the acquisition with Canva gave us a lot more support and um, whether it's like resources, but um, also visibility and access to a lot more things that we can do to help support photographers moving forward. So yeah, in a way we still operate on our own, but with the support of Canva has been um, really amazing. And uh, yeah, our photos are now implemented in right in the Canva platform. So people don't have to go to Pexels, download something, go back to Canva and upload it. They can get photos right from Pexels through the Canva site. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm curious, do you have or have had, uh, you talked about Mr. P as a very supportive teacher and mentor, but as you've moved through the years, whether that was in college or now in your, you know, adult years, do you have other mentors or, you know, people you look to as a mentor? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, my first thoughts of like what it meant to have a mentor, I thought, yeah, it's like you have one person that kind of carries you through everything. And um, that one person is someone you can like go to for like years, and you kind of build that relationship, which can be really true for a lot of people. But for me, I think the form of mentorship takes yeah, I've had a lot of different people that uh, maybe weren't formally like, oh, this was my mentor, but um, has provided mentorship to me on and off throughout the years. Um, yeah, Mr. P definitely sparked that creativity in me. And even just being on the school video team thinking like, oh, I can, this is not just for fun, I can do something good with this. But yeah, also, um, I remember there was one photographer that I met at a show, my like very first show. And um, he wasn't super huge himself, but he had a few years on me in the music industry. So he knew a lot of the artists and he would always t bring me along. Um, when he had a shoot, he, he would like usually know the artist. He'd be like, hey, can I, can like Wendy come and shoot as well? And they're like, yeah, sure. And even though it wasn't a huge gesture, like I wasn't paid or anything and it wasn't like huge names, I feel like, yeah, he really opened the doors for me for a lot of things, especially in the very beginning, um, building my portfolio because early on you have to really take every opportunity that you can and without him I don't think I would have had a lot of access which didn't 
um, allowed me to practice as much. And I think practice was the main thing that really helped me yeah, get into music photography so quickly. But yeah, also along the way, I've met a lot of people like this. There's this one girl who was shooting for Coalition, the record label I worked for. And yeah, at the time, I was kind of taking her photos and turning them into posters and stuff. So I knew of her name. But over time, I was like, hey, like, I'm a photographer as well. I met her a few times. And she started, um, she knew I was like an eager college student at the time. And um, she would was very established herself and her and her partner would um, do a lot of like, kind of bigger paid shoots. So um, sometimes she would need someone to come help. It wasn't like huge work, but it was like, hey, like they're shooting a wedding and they needed someone to run the, like the photo printing kind of site (laughs) for them. So they would take the photos and I would have to print them and hand them out to people. And yeah, it wasn't the most exhilarating work, but that was one of the first instances where I proved that like, hey, I can do a really good job. And later on when she had bigger gigs, when she started growing, I started growing with her because she would ask me to second shoot on music videos or or when she couldn't make it to something like she would, yeah, ask me and I would be the first person of contact for her and she already had a huge network so that was also a huge stepping point for me going from just gaining experience to really establishing myself as um, a professional photographer getting paid for what i do and uh, she recently moved to texas and she had a lot of relationships here that needed to be fostered and a lot of people who are still asking her for services so now a uh, majority of her clients here get referred to me and um that was something I was really grateful for. So I think even though I didn't have one person that was like, this is my mentor, it was a lot of different forms of mentorship uh, throughout the years. I love that you touched on assisting, like being a really kind of like basic or beginner assistant and then growing Mm -hmm. into like bigger assisting roles, right? Like you were Mm -hmm. running film or just grabbing a reflector um, (laughs) to then shooting. And And then that relationship now has turned into, you know, like you said, almost like an associate shooter Mm -hmm. um, or now that she's moved on, you know, that you're, you're the kind of the go-to for her, uh, which I think is really amazing. Do you find that you have somebody on the other side, right? On your marketing side or your business side that you look up to, or that you have built a relationship with that is kind of helping you foster that side of your, your world? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say my biggest mentor on like kind of like the business and marketing side was my very first manager, uh, Monica at Pexels. I think that she set a really, really amazing foundation for um, having like my first big girl job and having a manager that was so uh, empathetic and the way that she, yeah, like led the team was very inspiring to me as my friends and I have like grown up, like I've kind of heard, I, I've been at Pexels for four years and a lot of my other friends, like um, that's a long time and they're usually jump jobs like one to two years. And I'd always hear them like complaining about the manager, complaining about like micromanagement. And I was like, I've never had that experience with Monica because she just really motivated the team. She was never like, oh, you need to do this. When is this getting done? She had a really great way of like motivating us and really being interested in who we are as a person, which later led to kind of that intrinsic motivation. It wasn't like, I need to do this because I had to, but it's like, hey, Monica made me feel really empowered. That made me feel like, oh, I really can do this. So I'm going to go do it. Like with the podcast, for example, it started as a personal kind of passion project. And I pitched it to her and I was like, hey, like, can I maybe do this? This sounds cool. And she's like, yeah, go for it. If you can figure it out, then yeah, like there's no reason to say no. And 
yeah her philosophy of leading kind of was from that perspective of like she's going to, going to be like kind of building our own foundations on a personal level so we're motivated to kind of seek out opportunities on our own rather than like oh can you do this or like this needs to be done at this day which can be very yeah like boggling in some instances the other mentor I would say I had is um, someone I seeked out on my own and it was a point in time where Monica moved on and there was a lot of shifts at Pexels and um yeah, I would say like growing pains in the company and I didn't have her guidance anymore and I felt like I kind of lost that footing and it made me realize how lucky I was to have that in the first place. But yeah, it was definitely a lucky situation and I was like, okay, now I need to really figure out how I can, I guess, like be my own Monica in a way. That's how... Um, <laughs> Um, like Emily, who is my coach, was someone that, yeah, I seeked out on my own. I was like, hey, I really need help. I don't know, have much direction now. And it was a point where I had a few years of experience. I didn't know where to go from there. And yeah, she has a coaching business. And I thought this is a lot of money to pay for someone to kind of guide me. But it's been the most, I always say this, like the most amazing investment I've ever had. Um, because even though if you look at money-wise, it's like, oh, that's a lot of money. But uh, the return on that and the way that she was able to support me and um, guide me through different things and help me learn how to solve my own problems um, has been insanely rewarding. And um, yeah, I can, I was just thinking about this the other day, like, yes, there there was an investment up front, but the return I've gotten was two to threefold from there. And it's something that I can take with me throughout my life. So yeah, that was the biggest thing was noticing I really needed help. And this is something that I couldn't figure out on my own. And that was a weakness. I wasn't organized. I wasn't, I didn't know really how to solve my problems. So I outsourced that and find, found someone who can guide me through that. And um, yeah, sometimes that comes with an investment upfront, but that's what it is. It's an investment. You're not kind of like buying like a designer handbag and never going to like, it's just going to decline in value. It's something that's going to appreciate over time. I think that's amazing. I think um, not many people think about looking outside of like your circle of influence to find the resources. So the fact that you went out and was like, no, I need to find someone who can help me with these, you know, you identified what you kind of needed and then sought that out is, is really incredible. Mm -hmm. um, I want to circle back to the family thing that you brought mm -hmm. up uh, really early on, which is, um, you know, like kind of a traditional family view of someone who works in the arts um, and making a living in the arts. And I'm kind of curious about what your family thinks of your current career now. Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, yeah, so in the beginning, it was a lot of in my like teenage tumultuous years, I remember arguing with my mom a lot. <laughs> uh, part of that was just came with the nature of like being a teen, but um, also like she was like, you have to find like a steady job that pays well, doesn't matter what you're doing, but it was basically you need to find a steady job that pays well and that equals success. And I always argue, no, I don't need that. Like, I can just do my own thing and um, it'll be fine. And there was a lot of like, di we didn't see eye to eye there. And even I would kind of always be doing my side things. And she was like, oh, like you really need to like stop doing that and focus on your homework and establishing like a future for yourself. So it was always a balance of both of those things. But I think, um, yeah, like you said, like when I went to university was when um, I moved out and I really had full control of uh, my life in a way. And I was able to kind of pursue things on my own 
my own time and uh, just be responsible for myself. And yeah, even while I was just getting started, there was a lot of um, doubt from my family there. But this is something that I believe that if I, uh, my own personal philosophy is like, I'd rather work really hard at something I love than kind of half-ass something that um, for someone else. And yeah, that was something I always believed in. And even in the beginning, I don't know why I had this inkling that it'll turn out to something, but part of it was I just really loved the process as well. Like I really enjoyed who I was uh, and the feeling I got when I was shooting these like music photos or interacting with these like artists. And yeah, like when I remember when I first got my job at Pexels, um, or actually even before that, when I was at the music label, um, it was an unpaid internship. And there's, yeah, a lot of uh, stigma around unpaid work, like whether you should do it, whether you shouldn't, if it's like exploiting yourself. But I think I made a lot of progress there. And um, even though my mom wasn't like necessarily like, oh, like I support you doing this, like she would drive me like every morning to, or not every morning, like twice a week and at 7 a.m. to my internship um, and pick me up after. And even though it wasn't like a, hey, like, you're doing great, I'm supporting you. I feel like that's when she kind of started being like, oh, you're like, you're making some progress here. Maybe this is something, even though it was an unpaid internship at the time, you can get like a job uh, doing something like this and gain experience. And yeah, when I started at Pexels, I remember um, my parents were like, oh, like, this is not real. Like, it's like, it's probably a scam. Like, how can you work? <laughs> uh, somewhere like and get paid for it and work from home let alone something that's like more um in like the artistic realm and um i was like you know what like it does seem a little bit sketchy at the time but let's give it a month and we'll see how it goes and i would have never expected to be able to grow with the company through acquisitions through expansions for the last four years and now i feel like my parents have definitely come around to the point where like their friends' kids would um, kind of ask for advice and they would set up meetings on my behalf for me to like talk to them through their goals and everything and uh, how I got to where I was. So um, yeah, I think being the first um, child in an immigrant family where I had to really break that stigma of, I think there was a lot of blame for a long time where I was like, you never supported me, like you don't understand, like compared to like my friends who like grew up here, but over time through like a lot of therapy and self-reflection, I realized that they honestly didn't know any different. They grew up how they grew up and they thought this was the way it is. And that's what six, how success was defined in their scope of how they saw the world. And part of it was like, it was my responsibility in a way to break that. And my sister is also very artsy and I feel like they were a lot more supportive with her uh, years later, but I had to really like uh, struggle through that and prove that like, hey, like I can, like things are different here. Like you moved here um, to North America to give us more opportunity. And that's what I'm doing is taking on things that you would have never even imagined because that was never a possibility uh, for you guys growing up. So um, yeah, even though it was a lot of tough love and <laughs> a lot of conflict for many years, I think they've definitely come around and they've been um, very vocally like proud of me, which is, um, yeah, like really hard to do in kind of like Asian culture is just saying like, I'm proud of you and I support you and stuff like that. So yeah, in a way I felt even for myself, just proud that I was able to break through that rather than giving in and doing something like just because that was the way that it was supposed to be. It's amazing to hear that they now kind of see it, kind of see how you've blossomed and that they're super proud of you. And they understand that, you know, this really can be something which does make it so much easier for your <laughs> sister. Um, Wendy, it's like, it's, 
it's really awesome to hear, you know, the the story from the beginning to the end, uh, to where you are right now, right? And how much you've covered in a short period of time, how you've really persevered and pressed forward to like figure it out, right? You're very much a figure it out kind of person. <laughs> and I, I, I love that, you know, it gives me a lot of drive to be like, uh, yes, I need to go figure it out and find the next person. You. Can you can you tell people where to find your beautiful work online? Um, let us know how we can follow you and find you um, in all of the places that uh, you're, you, you are out there. Yeah, definitely. Um, my handle is Wendy H. Way. So Wendy, the traditional way it's spelled it, H-W-E-I. Um, and yeah, that's my website, wendyhway.com. And also on Instagram, uh, my website's been going through some stuff right now, so it might not be perfect. But yeah, I post a lot of my work on Instagram. And I feel like that's where I am usually. So you can find me there. Fantastic. And if people want to learn more about Pixel, where, they, where should they go? Uh, yep, it's pexels.com. You can find me there if you just search Wendy Way. Um, but also, yeah, if you have any questions about uh, Pexels, you can uh, DM the Pexels handle, which is just at P-E-X-E-L-S. Um, I'm usually running the social on there um, or even send me a personal DM. I'm happy to answer um, any questions, Pexels or non-Pexels related. Fantastic. Well, I can't wait to uh, see your next show um, and hear the next podcast. And um, I'm sure we'll be in touch soon. We we started talking a couple months ago and now we'll, we'll keep talking into the future and hopefully I'll get to Toronto and come visit you in person. Yeah. We can go, to a, go to a show together. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much, Shelly. It was great connecting with you again. Fantastic. In the words of our founder from Focus on Women, Tracy Tarek, stay safe and keep your creative juices flowing. Mm-hmm.